good evening. Wow. Well, t- the uh, thanks for coming to the House of the Lord on Good Friday. It's um, a lot different than a typical time that we would gather and uh, may feel a little more somber to you. And it's not that we're sad, but um, we're profoundly respectful and grateful for an awful and a terrible price that the Lord paid just because he loved you and me. And so um, I, I just am grateful for a lot of people who have invested their time in this tonight, and, um, and, and uh, especially the Lord, who invested the most time, right? right. So um, I, I want to just mention a couple of things, and then we'll watch down in it. But I have this, you know, my habit. It's going to be up here in front of you. That means you get one proverb. Is that all right with you? Can you have a proverb? Now, this is one I don't think I've used before in the church, so it's always fun for me to do. This is Proverbs 18, 22, because today's the 18th, right? Yep. Okay, check this one out. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. <laughs> That's a keeper. <laughs> um, you know, I was um, preparing for Sunday's message, and um, I'm going to tell a story, um, a personal family story, and um, not really so much about me and my wife, but about um, another family member, and it's so true. Tonight's subject matter is um, mostly going to be about while Jesus was physically on the cross and what was going on, and it's going to be some difficult stuff, you know, that I'm going to mention to you right now, and of course, I'll, sh- I'll use some discretion um, because we've got little people here, but even if we didn't have little people, it needs a lot of discretion anyway because what happened was awful. It was really awful. It's not like today where um, one of our states might um, execute someone and they anesthetize the person and they really just don't do anything except go to sleep. This was awful. And it was a form of torture that lasted for hours and hours and hours. And um, so it was, it was actually pretty a violent, a violent thing that was going on there. And, and Jesus had time with his, his pals, his, his closest friends, his disciples. And before this all gets rolling, he tells them that things are going to become so difficult that you guys are going to leave me. And um, in Mark 14, you can read all about that. And um, here's the physical, here's the context of what happens over the next six to eight hours. The first thing that happens is that um, Jesus is taken to the high priest's palace. And before he's examined, before he's questioned by those who will prosecute him, so to speak, their custom was to soften the person up a little bit by beating them. And um, he's, the first thing that happens, he's beaten by Jewish guards. And, and, and um, these, these are Jewish people that have taken him into custody. And, 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 and he, they beat him. And we're talking about the creator of the heavens and the earth. We're talking about one who walks on water, who turns a, a couple of pieces of bread and fish into enough to feed thousands. We're talking about someone who has spoken authority to do anything and everything. And a handful of guards beat him, and Jesus lets them do it. He chooses to let them do it. And then it moves on, and he's uh, still at the high priest's palace. And during his examination, and after his examination, he's struck in the face. He's, He's blindfolded, not because so much they don't want him to see who's hitting him. But when you're blindfolded, you can't prepare yourself to absorb a blow. So the blows have a more devastating impact because you're blindfolded. They blindfold him and they they beat him. And they actually used the palm of their hands because it's harder 
on him and easier on them. And Jesus lets them do it. He chooses to let them do it. It keeps going. And then he's, uh, he goes to the palace of Pontius Pilate, and uh, there he was scourged. And that's a process that I won't, we don't want to go into a lot of detail, but they had a, a, a short whip. It was only maybe two, two to three feet long, but it had several tendrils on it. And, and uh, sometimes tied to the ends of those leather thongs would be sharp bones or pieces of rock so that as he would whip, as they would whip with it, it would cut in and then they would drag across. So there would be long gouges. And, um, and in their mind, they were being merciful because the law prescribed 40 lashes. But to show mercy, they would do 40 minus 1 and only do 39. Many people who were scourged died during the scourging. scourging. It was just so hard on a person that it, would, it was terminal in many cases. And Jesus lets them do it. Every time, he's letting them do these things to him. And then Pilate sends him out um, to be crucified. Take him. And Jesus allows that. And then he goes back to the, the palace of Pontius Pilate after the scourging. And now the Roman soldiers, they beat him again with their hands. And some of them used a reed. They're hitting him with sticks. And Jesus lets them do that. And then they pushed this crown of thorns on his head. And we have one. It's a little itty-bitty one hanging up there. Every time I pick the thing up, I get poked with it. I mean, it cuts, it hurts, and it's just, I'm very, very careful when I touch it with my hands, and it hurts. And it was pushed, they pushed it down onto his head, and he lets them do it. And then on Golgotha, this hill outside of Jerusalem, he is crucified, and Jesus lets them do that. Now, crucifixion wasn't so much like the picture where we just see these pictures of Jesus on the cross. It was a very finely honed form of torture that was meant to execute a person, and um, uh, it, was, it put extraordinary pressure on the heart and on the lungs and on the diaphragm and, and on the joints. And, um, and it, was, it was something that when they wanted to, they could string it out and make it last for seven or eight or nine days, or they could make it last in minutes. And it was completely up to the choice of the people that were, that were doing it. Um, and um, typically the person would die from either cardiac failure or, or suffocation or both. And um, what would ultimately happen is the circumstances would make it impossible for the person to breathe. And, the, and, and if the person was living too long, sometimes they would come out and they would break their legs so that they could no longer lift themselves up and breathe anymore. And they, it, would, it would make it ha- happen faster. And while Jesus was on this cross, he spoke several times. He's in pain, but somehow he decided something was so important that he needed to not just say some things, but he had to speak some things into the scripture. He said them, they got recorded by the Holy Spirit, and you and I have them. And um, they were so important that he felt they needed to go into our scripture. Uh, You know, it's amazing. Traditionally, he is, there are seven sayings that you find in a couple of the Gospels. And um, by reading the different Gospels, you can piece them together and figure out what he said in what order. And that's what we're going to just take a couple of minutes with tonight is go through those, those sayings. And um, 
there is a traditional order that they occurred in, and we're going to go down through them in that same order. And um, when you look at them, when you look at those statements and you get them in front of you, all seven of them, I don't know about you, but I tend to look and see patterns. And you will see, um, you can see a pattern involved in the words that he talks, the, the sayings that he, that he addresses. And here's what the pattern is in a, in a, in a quick overview. This is from 30,000 uh, 30, feet high. Um, he talks, the first three comments have to do with relationships. His relationship with the Father his relationship to the lost, and then his relationship to family and friends in that sequence. And then he talks, he, he, he expresses some things of his humanity. He talks about his emotions. He talks about his physical needs. And then he ends up with the most important, which is his, phys, his, his spiritual situation. And then the last statement he makes is an absolute declaration of his faith and his trust in God in spite of what's going on in his circumstances. Well, I put several people through the ringer over the last couple of weeks by asking several leaders in the church if they would help me and, um, and take just a couple of minutes each and talk about each of those seven sayings. And so I, I, I think it would be really loving of you to smile at these people like crazy because they're nervous. <laughs> Right to stand up in front of you, friendly people. I don't understand them because you're so friendly. It's it, they're, they're going to be blessed by this, but please smile at them. And so we're going to start with the very first one. And um, this was a comment, um, the first comment that's recorded for Jesus and Isaac. Where's is Isaac? Isaac Howard is going to be our first one. Come on up, Isaac. So my scripture is Luke twenty three thirty four. Excuse me. It says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What really stuck out in that scripture to me is he had just been crucified, beaten. And the first thing on his heart and on his mind for us is, Father, forgive them. And uh, for me, the moment in my life that really changed and I dove into, um, I guess, God and the whole Christian thing and, and really surrendering to him, my life change happened on an event called Nico. And at Nico, it's this outdoors wilderness. You go, you take your packs, your Isaiah bread or Ezekiel bread, and you know, go on hikes and it's very spiritually led. So we were on a hike and we were down in a canyon and I'm carving a stick, my walking stick, you know, and it slips and it cuts my hand right here. And I still have the scar. And I just instantly start beating myself up about it and just feeling just, how could you do that? My group gathered around me and they started praying. And God spoke to me in an audible voice. And it was like me talking to you right now. It was different. It was strange to me. And he said, I love you and I forgive you. And my life was radically changed by those words. When God told me, he said, I forgive you. That's his heart. He loves us. I love you and I forgive you. And he wants you to know that he loves you and he forgives you. He paid your price so that you could be forgiven. God, I just pray for tonight that our hearts would be softened. That we would be able to accept that forgiveness and really step into the relationship that you want to have with us tonight. As the time goes on, I pray that our hearts would be ready for what your Holy Spirit has prepared. In Jesus' name, amen.
making fun of them and of and one of the criminals even said get down off the cross if you're the son of God but Jesus did not argue with him but when the other criminal defended him and admitted they were guilty but Jesus was innocent and asked Jesus for forgiveness Jesus promised him more than he ever asked for because that's why he came to earth and that's why he suffered the cross. Jesus came Jesus came for the lost. That's you and me. You have never done anything that keeps you apart from God. If you ask him for forgiveness and ask him into your heart, he will forgive you, and that's the only way to heaven. Some people wonder. Some people wonder about Jesus asking questions, but think they have lots of time before they may have to make a decision. But they, we never know how long. 
it's the time the time to make the the choices now. Being safe is not about our life here on earth. That's just for a short time. Our salvation is about our life after we die, our eternity. Please close your eyes and bow your heads. If you haven't chosen your eternity and you want to choose Jesus, please raise your hand. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, please um, touch, please uh, touch the soul of people who doesn't trust in you and make them trust in you and please wash their sins and thank you for and thank you for sending your one and only son Jesus for dying on the cross and and washing away our sins and 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 in Jesus name amen He said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Now, as our Lord hung on the cross, it was important for him to make sure that his mother, Mary, and his friend, John, were being cared for. I see this statement as God's love for us. He thinks it's important for his saints to stay connected with family and friends. We have no choice as to what family we're born into. All families are imperfect, 
But Jesus gives us an example of how families can live and grow together by giving Mary, his mother, and John, his friend, to each other. One can care for the other. That's what friends do for friends. They help one another. Well, I come from a large family. I'm surrounded by family and friends who are there to support me on life's ups and downs. I count Jesus as one of my friends. He's always there, and he's willing to light my path day by day. Maybe some of you don't have a family or a friend to rely on. Again, God shows his love for us by giving the church his body to provide for us as a member of his family and as a friend. Jesus is a friend closer to us even than a brother. Why don't we all stand right now and greet one another for just a short time, blessing each other as we gather together. So it was about midday, ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloni, Eloni, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Once again, a fulfillment, uh, fulfillment of the scriptures, Psalm 22. Thank you, Lord, for another bookmark in time to show us you were here. But what would bring the Son of God to ask such a question? Why now, in this moment, not the beginning of the, the grueling process, but moments before his last breath. Our sin. I think our sin separated the Father's presence from the Son. The Father could not dwell with our sin. The price for our sin had to be pay, paid for by the sinless man. The very agony of the cup he asked, if possible, might be taken from him, is here now. And it's bottoms up. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
I think in this very moment, God had to step aside to make way for our sin, to attach itself to the sacrifice, to be paid for once and for all.
to come up after. Makes you just want to wait for Jesus. So my verse is John 19, 28, and I thirst. You know, we have to remember that um, Jesus wasn't only God. At that moment, he was fully a man, and he felt every pain, every bit of suffering that he did for us, he felt. And he just wants you to know that he feels your suffering and your pain. When he said those words, I thirst, a nameless man came and gave him a drink. He met a need in a small way for Jesus. But Jesus wants to meet your needs in big ways. When we say, God, I thirst, he hears and he understands. In John 7, 37, he says, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. And I just want to pray for you tonight. I, I know that we all go through things, but I know there's some here tonight that have physical needs and they're going through physical sufferings but there's also people here that may have an emotional need that is so deep and so wounded that it feels physical so I just want to pray for you right now Lord Jesus I just want to lift up anyone here tonight that may have that physical or that deep emotional pain that they're suffering through right now and that they may feel like there's no hope that there's nothing there for them Lord Jesus but We all know that you are there for us. And I just pray right now that you would touch them, that you would give them healing, Lord God, and they would know that it is from you. Just lift them up to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen.
John 19.30, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. It is finished. Once and for all, it is finished. That those are three very powerful and significant words in our life today. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for the priest to go before the Holy of Holies and present a, a blood offering for the sins of the people. Well, that was only once a year. Now we can do it every day. Every day we have the opportunity. Man's salvation and redemption has been completed. darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun had stopped shining completely. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. At that moment, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and rocks split. Feel that moment. He breathed his last. Everything changed forever. Forever. What Lori talked about, it is finished. That that significance is is it. You know, the the word says that um, he paid the ultimate price. Lori said that that it is finished is the word to telestai, which means um, a debt has been paid, it's been stamped, paid in full. 
there's nothing left. Everything has been completed. And yet the Lord still has one thing left to say. And that is, into your hands I commit my spirit. In the last moment, Jesus still felt like there was something more for us. Even after he paid the price, he wanted one last thing for us. He chose at that moment to to give his spirit up. The beatings, the betrayals, the cross, that's not what killed him. He made a choice to surrender it all. Everything he had left, his spirit. He surrendered it into the hands of Father God and, and told us, he said out loud, I'm doing this. I'm submitting to Father God. I, I wonder how often I stand and think, I can't give this up. I can't, I can't believe for this. When Jesus is on the cross right there going, there's nothing left. You have to give it to the Lord. Everything, anything. He brings us back to a moment of complete intimacy with the Lord. You know, we no longer have to say Father, or sorry, we no longer have to say God. We call him Father. We belong to his family. We belong to his family. And in that place, we can have absolute trust in the Lord. Absolute trust. We're going to um, take communion in a few minutes um, and just remember what the Lord did here. If you want to put up that scripture. Um, John 6 says, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that have seen me and yet do not believe, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up on the last day. I don't want this chance to blow by anybody. Like Brianna said earlier, the thieves on the cross next to him, I'm no better than them. I have sinned. I have fallen short. There is no way I can measure up to what the Lord has done, and yet he offers forgiveness and salvation, eternity in heaven with the Father God. So I just want to take a second and and ask, is there anybody left who wants to say, I want a piece of that? I want to spend eternity in a place where I am loved, forgiven. This is a good time to do that. I'm just going to take a second if you want to pray with me, and we're just going to pray for that right now. Lord, we just, we welcome you into our lives, Lord. We welcome you into our hearts, Jesus. Lord, we ask for forgiveness, Lord. We thank you for your salvation. Lord, may we look daily to you for everything we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus gathered his disciples before he took this journey to the cross for one last meeting, one last meal, and we're going to look at what he did there. Before they sat down to eat, he he sat in front of them and washed their feet in a place of humility and and sat with them and submitted to what the Lord had for them. And at this last supper, he gave them these final instructions and he wanted
wants them all to remember it. So we're going to remember it with them. Luke 22 says, When the hour had come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. If you want to bring the communion elements. Then he said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which has been given to you for you. So do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is shed for you. handful of things that the Lord asks us to do and this is one of them as a church and as believers we take communion because Jesus paid a sacrifice for us and we never need to repeat it again but we always need to remember it And he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it, saying to them, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We're going to take the bread first. I'm going to pray over it. So join me. Lord, we're so grateful to stand here on this Good Friday and remember your broken body, Lord. God, I just stand in awe of you. Lord, where we have needs, you've met them. Thank you, Jesus, for your broken body. Go ahead and partake. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is shed for you. It's only by the blood of Jesus that we're saved. Lord, thank you for your shed blood. 
there is nothing more precious than your blood, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and partake. Praise the Lord. We, um, we're going to sing a couple of songs, but before we do, I want to say a couple of things to you. Um, I am really grateful for the people who braved it out and came up here, and they did a terrific job. Uh, you know, there, there, there was an outline for them, but it was what you heard from them was the words of the Holy Spirit just that had pressed them on their hearts, and they did a terrific job. And, I'm, and I don't know if you know this or not, but all of this music was written. All of the music, well, the words he copied out of the Bible, some of them. But Eric, I'm so grateful, and uh, I think we have the most terrific worship team in the universe. Somehow we're cheating all the rest of the body of Christ somewhere, and I don't care. <laughs> I want to read a scripture over you, and this is kind of like a benediction, and then we'll sing a couple songs. Remember Sunday. Listen, I'm amped up about Sunday. The Lord had just visited me in my study today, and I know that he is going to reap a harvest in hearts that, that um, it's going to be it's, it, it, it's going to be something. So make sure that you're bringing your neighbor or your friend or something, and I promise you we won't embarrass you, and, um, and we're aiming for a one-hour service, so um, then you can take them out, you know, for Easter eggs or something after church. I'm sure that's scriptural. But listen to this, let, listen to this scripture and let it just kind of soak into your soul. Um, and, and this is what, the, other than the worship, I, I, w- I want you to take this out the door with you. This is Psalm 103. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he, he has removed our transgressions from us.
glory in the I could do that for eternity, and someday I'm going to get to, because it is finished, because he has done it. And you know, while this might be solemn, because we take, we just want to stop and remember. The thing is, he went into the grave on Friday, but we know what happened on Sunday. And I love that. So when Sunday morning comes, I got a feeling my alarm clock's going to sound like a stone rolling. Right? You realize that? If you can find an alarm clock like that, that wouldn't be cool. That'd be a good reminder for all of us. But hey, church, have a blessed evening, a blessed weekend. And as you hang out with family and as you hang out with people, and I believe the Lord's going to give you opportunities to still invite people. He's going to give you opportunities to share what you heard tonight with others. But I also believe the Lord's not done with the word that he's spoken to you tonight. Because no matter what we said, the Holy Spirit is the one who, who speaks to hearts. And whatever he's spoken to your heart, he's going to massage and he's not done with it. I believe God has big things for each one of you. And you, each big things through each one of you. See you Sunday morning. God bless and happy Easter. Oh, by the way, 9.30 and 11.15. 9.30 and 11.15 on Sunday morning, okay? All right, tell your friends, God bless you. See you then. Happy Easter.